a listener production. Hi, I'm Elle Ferguson and this is Sliding Doors, where I chat with inspirational people from the world of fashion and beauty about their sliding door moment. That is, the moment they took a chance or made a life change that led them to where they are now at the top of their game. Having founded my own fashion and beauty brand, The Elle Effect, I know that succeeding in these industries isn't easy. So I'm inviting the people I admire most on the podcast to share their stories, insights, and tips for turning your passion into a career. Hi. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? So excited to be talking to you. I know. Have you had a busy day? On this episode, I talked to Justine Marjan. She is a beauty influencer and celebrity hairstylist. You would know her work from Khloe Kardashian's Classic Waves, to Kim Kardashian's sleek do's, and also she works with Ariana Grande. I think I have all these old headphones. Okay, let me try these. Can you hear me? Yes. Oh my God, I could hear you. Okay, this is good. Yes. <laughs> Justine started her career as a salon receptionist in Santa Barbara, and then she made the move to LA to where she is now creating iconic looks on Hollywood heavyweights. Can we talk about how long your hair is now? Oh my God, it's so long. <laughs> do you remember when it was here and you were like, yes. it just hasn't started growing and now I look at it every day and I'm like isn't it crazy I actually got to meet Justine backstage at New York Fashion Week where she has led multiple teams creating iconic looks for the season okay, yes so now we're gonna record we've come so far in the universe that we still come down to a clap at <laughs> seriously Justine, I am so excited to have you on the podcast. Thank you for doing this with me. Thank you so much for having me, Elle. I was so honored when you asked me. And of course, I love you. So I'm happy to do anything for you. Yay. Okay, so before we (laughs) get into the real hard stuff, I have to start with the thing that I call the fast five. So don't think about it too much. But what was the last song you listened to? Oh, Kaliuchi, her new song, so good. Yes. Okay, snacks, sweet or salty? Salty, for sure. Item you can't live without? Chapstick. What's your most used app? Instagram, for sure. (laughs) And what was the last photo on your phone? Oh, I think it was of my client Dorit's dog. Okay, I love that. (laughs) I love those fast fives because you really get to learn a lot about a person. (laughs) Totally. So, Justine, I have been lucky enough to work with you numerous times creating so many amazing hairstyles. And the one thing that I can't get enough of when I'm around you is just your vibe and your work ethic and how you lift others up. And to be able to have the opportunity to talk to you here, I just think our listeners are just going to love what you're going to share. So a lot of people know you from social and creating magic with hair. I want to know how you first got interested in the industry. Oh man. I mean, I've been, I've always loved beauty and art and fashion from a really young age. And I never really saw it as a career path or I didn't really know the opportunities that were available through what I'm doing now as a career path. So, you know, growing up, I kind of explored different ideas like doing fashion design or set design. I even explored food styling. And I just always loved like visual mediums. 
And then I grew up doing hair all the time for like my friends and my sister. My sister was a tomboy. I used to chase her around the house and like beg her to let me braid her hair. (laughs) And then I grew up in a small beach town and I used to braid people's hair on the beach for like $20 when I was a kid. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Then when I got a little bit older and I finished high school, I didn't really have a clear direction because I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And my friends and I at this point were already experimenting with each other's hair. Like we were cutting and coloring each other's hair and just like having fun being teenagers. And I was waiting for a bus one day and there was a salon across the street that looked cool. Like it was bumping in there. So (laughs) I walked in and I was just like, oh, do you offer like shadow or assistant programs or anything like that? And uh, the manager wasn't there. So I left a note for them. And they called me back and they're like, actually, we're hiring if you want to come in to be a receptionist. So I interviewed, I became the receptionist there. I loved it so much that I decided to go to cosmetology school. Okay. And working at that salon is really what opened up my mind to the possibilities of like what you can do with hairstyling, because I had no idea that there was life beyond a salon and I didn't really want to work in a salon. But then I realized, you know, I was exposed all of a sudden to great hairstylists like Odile Gibert. And I realized that there's someone that does the hair for people backstage at, you know, Fashion Week. There's someone that does the hair for celebrities on the red carpet. There's someone that does the hair for a photo shoot in a magazine. Before I didn't realize that was one person's job. Yeah. So this was a different time before social media. (laughs) Now we know behind the scenes of every career. Everything. But that really inspired me. And that was when I realized, oh, this is what I want to do. This combines everything I love photography, beauty, art, fashion um, into one place. And then I can really just focus on doing hair and still see it come to life in a really fun way. So I went to beauty school. I worked in that salon. Where were you living? In Santa Barbara. So it's like Southern California, just an hour and a half up the coast from LA where I live now. It's not far, but it's a very like beach community. There's (laughs) There's not that much happening. So... Um, I ended up working in that salon for eight years. Oh, wow. Just working my way up, trying to learn as much as I can, doing education every six months. I'd take advanced classes. I was really just like dedicated to the craft. And then after eight years, I realized I've grown as much as I can grow. If I want to keep pursuing my dream, which was doing red carpets and doing editorial, I needed to move out of this town because that wasn't going to happen for me here. And I but didn't want to work in a salon and I'd been in the salon for eight years. So I moved to LA and I didn't know one person and I was just reaching out to people on Instagram. So now Instagram was a thing, you know, it had just started. It's funny when you fast forward and you introduce (laughs) Instagram into your work life, it like knocks down so many barriers. So many. From walking into that salon and having to write a handwritten note for the manager to call you back and they don't know who you are, where you're from, what you did. Um, Before you tell us about LA and that, who was kind of supporting your dream? You know what I mean? When you were studying and working at the salon, who was kind of your cheerleader through that? I mean, I didn't really have anyone. The salon owner at the time, you know, at the beginning was 
really supportive. But then as I like continued to grow, she wasn't as supportive. It's just a small town mentality where like they don't really want to see people do well. So that was also like kind of a wake up call for me where I was like, I need to move to a bigger city because I can't be stuck like this. And it was comfortable for me there. Like it was very hard. It was a really tough decision for me to leave my town and like move to a bigger city because I had a comfortable life. You know, I had a career. My family was there. I had never moved somewhere where I didn't know someone before. And I really struggled with it for a long time because I was giving up a lot for who knows what could come, you know, like I could get a job in LA. I could not get a job in LA. Like you don't know what will happen. No. So I struggled with it for a long time. And then I finally was reaching out to people on Instagram because that's when Instagram was becoming a big thing. And that's kind of what really like pushed me to go do it. Who did you reach out to? Can you tell us like right back at the beginning? Yeah. So there were two ads I saw on Instagram Kristen S. had posted she was looking for an assistant and Jen Atkin had posted she was looking for an assistant. I just got goosebumps. I literally just got goosebumps. Yeah. (laughs) So I replied to both of them and I ended up getting hired by both of them. And so I worked part-time. That summer I moved to LA, I worked part-time for both Jen Atkin and Kristen S. And then Jen was starting Main Addicts. And she was like, I really need someone full-time to help spearhead main addicts with me. So I stopped working for Kristen and went full-time with Jen so that I could... I had experience blogging. I also had a blog at this time. So I kind of spearheaded main addicts for Jen Atkin and became the editorial director of it while also assisting her because she had... This is at the time when she only had two staff. Now yeah. she has like, I don't know, 100 staff. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was um, really fun because I got to write articles and then I got to take photos and do photography. I was producing events. I was interviewing people. And then I was also going with her to do clients. Were you pinching yourself? Yeah, I was like, I can't believe I have to make a decision if I want to work for Kristen S. or Jen Atkin and that yeah. both of these options are on the table for me. Yeah, like, That first of all, these are the two, probably the two most influential women in hair care. Both of them now have successful product lines. Both of them now are like top of the (laughs) top of the tier of women hairstylists. And here I was having the opportunity to work for both of them. Like that's insane. Can I ask what made you choose Jen? Um, Just because she was doing more on set stuff and Kristen did it occasionally, but she, Kristen had her own private salon yep. and her blog, the beauty department at the time, which I don't know if it still exists. So, and then Jen was starting main addicts and she was also starting way at this time. And she was doing more like on set and traveling. Yep. Like one of my first weeks with her, she was like, is your passport up to date? You know? So <laughs> then I was just like, okay. And I, I even talked to Kristen about it and was like, this is a tough decision for me. Like, I really love both of you guys. And she was like, yeah, what are your goals? And she's like, I think Jen is doing what you want to do more. I love that. Like, she was really supportive and it, we left on good terms, but I was sad about it. You know, it was a tough yeah. decision. Oh my to God. Me. Yeah, yeah, of course. I think it's really amazing that especially when I ever look at you and the women that are around you, you are all very supportive and all very encouraging of each other. So it's really nice to know that it kind of started way back when. Yeah. I know it all sounds amazing to us that you're like flying around the world, working for Jen Atkin. 
What are some of the like unseen sacrifices that you were doing right back at the beginning when you were hustling so hard? Well, so like I said, when I moved to LA, I didn't know anyone. So I completely dived into just working all the time. And as an assistant, it was pretty much a full-time job. Like I said, she didn't have a lot of staff. So I was doing everything from picking up dry cleaning, helping to, you know, clean up the house to (laughs) going with her to do clients, then getting on the phone and interviewing a hairstylist and writing an article. So it was really all encompassing. And I worked all hours of the day and seven days a week. And if I ever was not working, I was trying to take my own clients on the side Mm. because I wasn't making any money. So I needed to survive. So if I had one day off, I would drive to Santa Barbara, where I'm from, try to do clients from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. just to like make rent money and then drive back up the next day and go back to work. So I completely sacrificed a social life. I didn't like, this was not my time to be making friends. I was just completely dedicated to working. And I I would say I sacrificed my health. Like I didn't really, didn't have time to exercise. I was so healthy before with my lifestyle and I didn't have that balance anymore. So yeah. it was, I mean, it was tough. It was a hard hard few years for sure. And I'm really grateful that I had a partner before I moved to LA because (laughs) I could not imagine trying to date or meet people or not having someone that was like supporting me throughout all of this as well. I agree with you. They need to be at the beginning. They need to see you. They need to be at the beginning, then see the the hustle and then be there when you get to the good part, which I, I think you are now. And fortunately, like he, my husband now, he was so supportive. Like I remember one time we were going to go to a workout class together and I got a text as I was opening the door to go into the class and it was like, can you be here in 15 minutes? And I was like, ah, what do I do? And he's like, we got to go. And so we just left and I like went to work and, oh, I love that. you know, but it was nice. It's, I feel really lucky that I had a partner that was supportive and would let me do my own thing and let me travel and didn't feel intimidated by it all. No, I was going to ask you about him because yes. what has come through with a lot of these conversations that I'm having with women is women that are in partnerships with men that support them and lift them up, how much higher we actually can go. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When somebody, especially your partner, is cheering you on. And I see that with you. I mean, I've never been lucky enough to meet him, but I feel like I virtually know him. But you've got a very big cheerleader in him, you know, and, totally. and you guys do amazing things together. Totally. And the wedding was very iconic. If, <laughs> if, if you haven't seen the wedding, Google the photos because it was amazing. Thank you. So Justine, what's been the most challenging thing in your career so far? In the early stages as an assistant, it was very challenging for me because like I said, I didn't have a social life. I, you know, was sacrificing my health. I was working all hours of the day. I wasn't making that much money. It's a really, it was a tough job because you really have to fully dive into it. And I think, you know, an example of that. I was on a trip for work where I was gone, the longest trip I've been on, and I think it was about three weeks. And my husband, now husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, was home and we barely spoke to each other because the time difference was like 14 hours or something really long where it just didn't line up that we didn't get that much time to communicate. And when I was up, I was working the whole time. So I wasn't really like looking at my phone or trying to chat. And then at the end of my trip, 
he sent me this long message and he'd been going through this whole like health crisis at home uh. alone. And I had no idea what was happening. And then I came back and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry that I wasn't, I had like, I was like, what's happening here? What's going on? And he was going through it all on its own. But like, fortunately I have such a supportive partner, you know, he understood, but it was really a wake up call for me to just like be more present and aware and realize that I needed to find some balance in my career and work life. So can I ask you about your sliding door moment, the moment that made you decide to become self-made or go after your dream? What was it? It was for sure just moving to LA. Like that was a big pivotal moment in my life because, you know, there's so many times in life where you have these crossroads and you have to make a decision and it's scary to, you know, step into the unknown and do something fearlessly and not have, you know, we're so, we're taught so much like, oh, you need to be the stability. You need this, you need these things to make sure that you're making the right decision. But sometimes you really just have to follow your intuition and follow your gut and just do what like, you know, you have to do deep inside of you. And like, I really had this calling that I had to move to a bigger city, like whether it was LA or New York, there was just something inside me that even though it didn't like make that much sense logically and I had no contacts and knew no one there and I didn't have a job lined up, like there was just something inside me that was like, you have to go. And so I did. So that was a big pivotal moment. And that's why I really try to like stress the importance of just trusting your intuition and following your instincts. And I have to ask, because I think everybody is probably thinking this, you do the most amazing hair. And some of my favorites are on Chloe and the Kardashians. How did that happen? Can you just tell us? Because we all want to (laughs) know. I mean, that happened through Jen. She was really nice to refer me to clients when I was, you know, still an assistant with her. And that's why I really stress the importance now of how important it is to assist someone. And even though it was like a lot of sacrifice and I worked really hard, you learn so much through assisting that you could never possibly learn in school or through any other experience. And I really cherish that time because not only did she introduce me to the family, but she also taught me that etiquette on how to be professional and how to make people feel comfortable around you. And um, because I was assisting her for so many years, they felt comfortable around me enough that when she wasn't available, they would ask me to do their hair. So then it just came became one thing after another. Like, you know, I blue dry Kim's hair a few times and then Chloe's hair a few times and then you know, Jen was starting way, so she was less available all the time. So then she trusted me with her clients as well. I love that. I just love when you say clients that they're like the biggest people in the world right now. (laughs) Totally. The other thing that I think is also incredible, I was lucky enough to work with you with Tresemme at New York Fashion Week and to see you running backstage and making these iconic looks on the runways was so incredible. How did that make you feel? Because I mean, the girl that was in Santa Barbara working out that somebody actually does the hair backstage to being the leader and the mastermind, how did that go for you? That was definitely like one of my pivotal moments in my life too, because that's been my goal from the beginning, you know, from the very beginning. So it's incredible that I like made it there, but it's also cool because 
there's not a lot of women leading shows backstage. It's mostly a male-dominated field. And even when I was first starting, Odile was the only woman that I knew of that was leading shows backstage. And then the rest were all men. Yeah. So that, you know, to just be able to be there among all these people and be a woman and also to be young, like I'm much younger than all of these people. Yeah. Yeah. So that felt really monumental. And I was so honored that Tresemme gave me the opportunity to do that as well. But it is like the most fun thing. It's chaotic. It's crazy. (laughs) But it's really exciting to be a part of it. And I will say something I learned from that that has been also a big like life moment for me is that because there's not a lot of women that lead shows backstage, there's not a lot of examples of what female leadership looks like backstage And so I, the first season that I went into it, I really held myself up to the standard of trying to lead like a man. And it was not the right decision for me. Yeah. Okay. There's a lot of men that I think it's just ingrained in the culture backstage. It's like old school men that it's very tough. It's very secretive. It's very hard to break into. It's very like rigid. It's very intimidating. Like you don't talk to the person leading the team. Like they have another person that you talk to. And so I kind of went into it that first season, I think also because I was intimidated, like here I am doing this, like who am I? And I was like, okay, I got to fill these shoes and step into these shoes. And it wasn't, it didn't go that well. And then I realized, you know what? Screw this. I'm not a man. I'm not old school. I came in here doing things my own way and I'm going to do it my own way moving forward. So I found my own fashion week team, which the first season I didn't have my own team. Like they procured a team for me. Yeah. Next season, I was like, I'm going to find my own team. I did it all through social media on Instagram. Yes. I decided we are going to be like, it's going to be fun. It's going to be lighthearted. We're going to make this a really good experience for everyone because at the end of the day, it's just hair. It's not that serious and it's already stressful enough backstage. We don't need to make it more stressful. So now I have an amazing team of stylists that all have great attitudes. Everyone works together so well. And I really feel like that was a big life lesson for me that we don't have to hold ourselves to the same standards as men and we can create a new way of what leadership looks like as a woman. I love that. I like love it so much. And I'm playing back the three seasons that I saw you in New York. And the last one was so much different. Right? Yeah. It's so funny you're saying that because I actually remember (laughs) being backstage with you. The first one, it was a completely different vibe than that Rebecca Minkoff show. Right. was just so nice. Like you wanted to be there. Totally. It wasn't scary. Right. (laughs) So was there ever a time where you felt like you kind of had that imposter syndrome where it was just all a little bit too hard? Yeah. I mean, I think I still have imposter syndrome sometimes. (laughs) I don't know if it ever goes away. I heard J-Lo in an interview say that she still has it. So I'm like, okay, if J-Lo has it. If she's got it, we can have it. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I think definitely that was a big moment for me, like leading my first show backstage because, you know, I felt even if people weren't judging me, maybe I was judging myself where I'm like, who am I? Like, I, I was what? 30, 29 or 30, like under 30 at the time doing this for the first time. There was no one like me doing it. I remember a lot of people, it's really funny you say it now, 
a lot of people talking about how young you were. Yeah, totally. I remember being in conversations and the age thing would come up. Right. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's like, it actually doesn't need to come up. Like, right. she's amazing. Right. It doesn't need to come up. Have totally. you seen what she does? Yes, and- <laughs> totally. So we all kind of doubt ourselves at certain times. What do you do when you doubt yourself? I think positive affirmations, meditation, just taking that time for internal reflection is really powerful because what we think we become. So if I need a few extra minutes to just, you know, speak some positive words to myself, I'll try to take it. And put JLo on. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Something empowering. Totally. (laughs) With that said, what is next for you right now? I mean... Besides... (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I'm pregnant. <laughs> I, have, I should have a baby in like three weeks. So we'll see. That is going to, we'll see how that changes my life. But, Amazing. you know, I just launched my new website at justinemarjan.com. Yep. And then I've still been just like working on social media this past year. You know, it's been an interesting year. You are the year. master. Thank you. You are the master of <laughs> tutorials. If you are listening now and you need to know anything about doing any kind of hairdo, you need to look at Justine's Instagram and website because you are amazing at teaching people how to do things. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so I've just been building my Pinterest. Um, I'm also on TikTok, but, you know, it's been a very interesting year, very like out of normal. And then obviously, you know, I still have goals of doing other amazing things with my career. So hopefully stay tuned and we'll see what, <laughs> what happens next. There are a lot of people listening to our conversation now that are in the middle of their journey, thinking about making a change. What is your advice to achieving success or going out on your own? I think that realizing that success looks different for everyone and that comparison will never work because your journey is going to be different from someone else's journeys. And the best thing that you can do is just realize that you don't need to follow in someone else's footsteps. You don't need to follow in someone else's path. And that it's totally okay to create your own lane and find your own way of doing things. I love that. And can you tell me on a personal level, they're filming Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Has that started? (laughs) They just (laughs) finished the season. I think it'll air in May, I think. I had to ask. I had to ask. I had to ask. (laughs) Justine, you have been incredible. You are such a wealth of knowledge. And I just, I always, again, I just love being in your presence. Oh, likewise. No, but it's like if it's five seconds backstage or it's an hour getting ready for red carpet, I love being wherever you are. So thank you for doing this with me. Likewise, Elle, I really appreciate you having me. You're such a light and I cannot wait to listen to this podcast. Sliding Doors is hosted by me, Elle Ferguson, producer Tina Matalov, audio production by Darcy Thompson, executive producer Jennifer Goggin, and a special thanks to my manager, Camille Toulouse, for always being a fresh pair of ears on each episode. Listener.